0: Welcome to Shure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on March 20th, 2022, on the basis of Luke chapter 13, verses 1 to 9. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The work of a detective is to observe the end result of something and get to the bottom of what happened. He, he follows the clues. He, he may interview witnesses. He may work to get a confession. He may look at surveillance tapes or any number of other things, all to make sense of what happened and how it happened. But in many cases, the the work of the detective is not finished there. Because the what and the how, they are important, but equally as important is the why. A detective will want to establish motive behind the things that happened. Now, you're likely not a detective, but I'm guessing that you play detective in some way in your life. You see the end result of a lot of different things and, and you try to make sense of what happened, how it happened, and perhaps even more so, why it happened. That's exactly what the people at Jesus' time were attempting to do. They were trying to make sense of the events that were taking place around them. They were trying to make sense of the tragedies. And they had one tragedy in particular in mind. These group of of Jewish people seemed to to have the Galileans and the massacre of the Galileans in, in a temple on their mind. Now, we have no historical record of this tragedy aside from what we get in Scripture. So all we have is one verse from Luke chapter 13 that gives us the details. But evidently, Pilate, the governor of the region, had sent his army to a temple. And while they were at that temple, they murdered uh, many uh, vulnerable people who were worshiping in the temple. It seems like these people must have been offering sacrifices because the detail that we're given is that their blood mixed with the blood of the sacrifices. It's also certainly possible that some of the priests even died. Now, Jesus may have known about this event. He he may not have, but either way, he does not seem surprised here. This was likely within Pilate's character to do such an awful thing. Pilate seemed to have no respect for religious or sacred spaces, and, and he really didn't care about the, the Jewish people or their religion or the Galileans and their religion. Um, he, he was a government leader carrying out his brutal judgment on vulnerable people. And so the people were wondering, why did these terrible things happen to the Galileans? But they weren't just asking why. The, the tone of their question was more like this. Did these Galileans deserve this or not? When they asked the question, they weren't just thinking about this in a governmental, earthly sense. They weren't asking if Pilate was justified in doing this. They were thinking about the divine here. Was this God? Was God using Pilate as a tool to impose his judgment on the Galileans? And we've got to ask, what if he was? Would he be justified? With that question, we're jumping a little deeper. What do people actually deserve from God? And although it's a deeper topic, it's not a difficult question. The Bible gives a, a formula of sorts and talks very clearly about this it, in, in a lot of Apostle, the Apostle Paul's writings and, and really all throughout Scripture. But the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans says very clearly the wages of sin is death. What we earn for our sin is death. Sin equals death. Therefore, since death came to the Galileans and they must be sinners, and as the logic goes... If death came to the Galileans in this manner, they must be even worse sinners. At least that was the thought. Now, historically speaking, God had punished sin this way before. Our second reading for today from 1 Corinthians chapter 10 uh, had Paul listing three specific instances where God punished people with temporal death for their sin. He takes us back to the time of Moses and the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness. And at that time, God punished those who were sexually immoral by allowing 23,000 of them to die at one time. Paul lists another instance where the Israelites were guilty of putting the Lord to the test and they were killed by snakes. Another time, the Israelites grumbled and complained against the Lord and they were killed by the destroying angel. God has punished sinners this way in the past, so the question stands, is this what happened to the Galileans? Well, Jesus responds, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Jesus confronts these people's interpretation of these events. Their tone may have revealed what they thought about the Galileans, but Jesus is really narrowing in on the heart of their question. Yet even as Jesus narrows in, he moves quickly past the question. He, he certainly answers it, but he, he moves past it. And when that happens in scripture, your antennas ought to go up. You ought to pay attention to what, what's going on here. Uh, when Jesus doesn't answer in the way that you'd, uh, you'd expect it, um, you, you ought to pay attention. And so Jesus says, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all Perish. Was it a punishment against the Galileans or not? Well, Jesus says no, but that's not really the main purpose of what Jesus wants the people to walk away with here. Jesus says this tragedy is an opportunity for you to repent. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call because everyone's time here on earth will one day come to an end. We'd all love to think that we'd live to 90 and die peacefully in our sleep, but we aren't guaranteed that, so repent. Repent. God still gives us these wake-up calls. When a worldwide pandemic breaks out, in which many people die, this is an opportunity to repent. When a war breaks out in Ukraine, this is an opportunity to repent. When you hear that one of your high school classmates died of cancer, this is an opportunity to repent. Jesus didn't really uh, answer the question why. That wasn't what was important, but he urges you to repent. Then Jesus brings up another tragedy, one that's a little different than the first one. In Jerusalem, there was a tower near the pool of Siloam that apparently had toppled over and killed 18 people when it fell. This is different from the first tragedy because the first tragedy can be chalked up to human agency, but this tragedy was seemingly one that only God could prevent. And so with this tragedy, Jesus poses the same question that these people had posed to him. Were these people more guilty than other people? Did the tower just happen to fall at the exact moment that 18 extra guilty people were walking by? Yet again, Jesus says, I tell you, no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Here again is an opportunity to repent. Here again is an opportunity for you to realize that whether there, this was a specific punishment or not, we all deserve death before God. And in this case, while the rest of the world is concerned with the, the why behind the tragedy, Jesus is concerned with your soul. He uses temporal death to wake you up so that you will not face eternal death. So repent. Admit your sin. Admit your sinfulness because there is forgiveness waiting for you. The truth is that God would be totally justified He would have been justified with ending Adam and Eve's life as soon as they sinned, and He'd be justified in ending our life and punishing us as soon as we sin. He is a just God, and punishing sin is just. But your God is also a loving and compassionate God. As soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin, He made them a promise of the Savior. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, but instead, He treated Jesus as our sins deserved. He punished His own Son on our behalf, and through His stripes, We are healed, saved, and forgiven. That means that you have been made spiritually alive. Your soul is alive. Through the work of Jesus, through his death and resurrection, he makes people alive. And that work gives believers a different perspective when it comes to tragedies. Because for the believer who died in the massacre of the temple at the hands of Pilate's army, it was a tragic death, temporally but not eternally. For a believer who died in the Tower of Siloam falling on them, their death is tragic temporally, but not eternally. For the Christian who dies from COVID or the war in Ukraine, their death is tragic temporally, but not eternally. Because of Jesus, and because of the faith that He's worked in us through the Holy Spirit, your death, however it may happen, will not be tragic eternally. But you will become what Jesus has already made you, alive. Now here, Jesus isn't done speaking yet. He's trying to say to a group of Jewish people, you're worried about how and why this happened to the Galileans and the Jews at the Tower of Siloam, but I'm worried about you. Jesus had been conducting his ministry now for three years, and for the most part, the Jews continued to reject him. It is about these Jews that Jesus tells this parable. A man planted a fig tree in his vineyard, but this fig fig tree never produced any fruit. He waited for three years for this fig tree to bear fruit, but it never did. There would be no more waiting. He, was, he instructed the worker in the vineyard to cut the tree down. It likely wouldn't produce any fruit anyways. And now it was just taking up soil. In the parable, the fig tree is the Jewish people. The man who planted the fig tree is God the Father, and the worker in the vineyard is Jesus. The Father had been patient with the Jewish people, but many refused to believe. They were not producing fruits. On account of this, the father would have been justified in his judgment and condemnation of these people. But look at what the worker in the vineyard does in this parable. He intercedes on the people's behalf. He pleads with the owner of the vineyard to give him just a little more time to work the ground around the tree and to see if the tree could produce fruit. Jesus worked that soil to save that tree. He reached out relentlessly for the Jews to repent, both in time in his time here on earth and through the apostles following his ascension. While some did repent and believe, many didn't. Despite Jesus' intercession for patience, he still received, they, they still received eternal death because of their rejection. Here we see the heart of your Savior, your intercessor. We, we see a, a harsh preaching of the law here, but we also see the heart of your Savior who takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He wants all to be saved, so he continues to reach out relentlessly. He continues to try to wake people up from their spiritual slumber, to shake people out of their false security. He reaches out with his word through family and friends. He reaches out with the word through pastors and teachers. He pursues the lost. That's how God continues to pursue us, and likewise, that's how God wants us to pursue the lost, relentlessly as if there was no time to spare. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, lead us to repent. Rather, lead us to live a life of repentance. That repentance would flow from our heart continuously. We pray that we would never rest in false security or take our spiritual lives for granted. But we pray that our hearts would be ever dependent on you and ever safe in your care. With the same heart that you pursue us, Lord, lead us to pursue those who are lost in our lives. Give us grace and patience in doing just that. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.